0: frother to quickly whip up your healthy and nutritious grown american drink go to grown Superfood.com forward slash john and order today
1: that's not just the sound of that first sip of morning joe
2: it's the sound of someone shopping for a car on carvana from the comfort of home that's a good blend it's time to take it easy like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes
3: talk about starting the morning right
2: just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm, mm, mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience
4: car shopping the way it should be convenient, comfortable. Ah.
0: This is the John Fugelsang Podcast. Brian in Oregon. Hello and welcome.
5: Sorry, uh, just a, uh, oh, hi, yes, John.
0: please. Hi. Uh,
5: I. Uh, <laughs> Um, now I'm off speaker. Um, oh, how are you doing, God? You sound miserable.
0: But thank you very you much. Yes, funky. I I I'm, I sound miserable, and I'm spreading it around to the world. Um, oh, that's all know, right. You know, it's it, it's rough. It's my it's my tenth day of COVID symptoms, and it's six days since I took my my positive PCR test, and I'm waiting for this thing to 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 end. It's 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 getting better, but it's not there yet.
5: Oh God, it's miserable. My gal uh, recommends her Montana um, fix is a uh, Hot water, lemon juice, and honey equal proportions in whiskey.
0: Oh, I've done all of that except the whiskey, so I guess no, I'll try something cool. else.
5: Well, I don't know if you even do whiskey anymore or not, but that's what the, she said had cured everything in Montana.
0: Fascinating. She had COVID?
5: No, no, just colds. <laughs> okay. Yeah, virus, colds, you
0: know.
5: Right on. All saying. right,
0: well, you know what? If I, I can't try anything unless Dr. Oz has recommended it, but thank you. Anyway. <laughs> The, well,
5: let's hope that wing nut gets uh, shoved, shoveled to the side. Oof. Jesus.
0: I um, mean, we'll see.
5: Yeah. John, I'm thinking, uh, I was going to talk, I, well, I told T I I had an idea that uh, I was listening to Chris Hayes and uh, Joe Nagus talking about Biden's gun control uh, thing today. And it dawned on me that um, as I was listening, I said, well, Jesus, instead of knitting socks, why don't we gather up the neighborhood AR-15s and send them to uh, Ukraine?
0: I'd love it, except if the people who owed AR-15s gave a shit about the lives of others, they wouldn't know AR-15s. It's
5: it's all fantasy, uh, but it's a fun fantasy for me.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, today was pretty inspiring, like... You know, he announced these new steps aimed at regulating these so-called ghost guns, which are the untraceable homemade weapons that uh, have been used in so many of these violent crimes. The right wing pretends to care about. Let's let's play. This is Joe Biden earlier today oh, introducing brilliant. this new action, and here here's Joe Biden reminding the crowd, as Chris pointed out, that he is and always has been a big supporter of funding the police.
6: We're funding strategy, we know reduce gun crime community policing, and community violence interruption. Look, I've said it many times. The answer is not to defund the police. It's to fund the police and give them the tools and training to support they need to be better partners and protectors of our communities in need. And I've already made clear that I want cities, states, counties, and tribes to use some of the $350 billion we sent to them in the American Rescue Plan that I wrote in the first month to reduce gun violence, hire police officers for community policing, pay police overtime, purchase crime-fighting technologies. They were given the money. They can do it. Spend it. Seriously. Now, on top of that, I'm calling for additional funding to put police on the streets for community policing.
0: There you go. Something to piss off liberals, conservatives. Look, I think it's great. I mean, a ban on these untraceable, deadly guns, oh. like this is this will this will ensure that ghost guns are regulated and undergo background checks. If you're a patriot, if you're pro life, you should feel good about this.
5: Yeah, and if you're yeah, really. And why would you want to own a gun unless you're some
0: kind of a criminal like a lot of, I guess, a lot of the conservatives well, are. Well, there's lots of, um, lots of people own guns who aren't criminals. The whole I mean, point I mean, is we that... Do. I do. I own a, I mean, I don't own it. So I get paid
5: not to shoot anybody or anything. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I'm
0: not against guns at all, but these are homemade firearms that are untraceable, and they're just as deadly as anything else. Exactly. I think, yeah, I, I have insane. no problem with 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 regulating guns the way we regulate cars. I, I have no problem with uh, with knowing where the guns are.
5: And John, my other thought on, on violence and all that is, I think um, these anti-abortion uh, people and these laws are, I finally realize this is violence against women and yeah. against families and the whole yeah. thing with the trans kids. It's all violence perpetrated by the state against citizenry. citizenry.
0: Well, I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's all violence perpetrated by the state, but it certainly is the state turning a blind eye to violence. You know, they don't really mind the violence. uh,
5: Yeah, blind eye, but also it's uh, I think it's passive uh, approval and supporting this god awful uh, treatment of women and and basically families uh, in privacy um, in the name of what some phony bullshit religion crap.
0: Yeah. Exactly. There's no there's no religion to it. Christianity is not their religion. Christianity is their camouflage. Christ is not their savior, he's their fucking prop. That's all they care about. They worship what they want when they want it. And they believe in a God who conveniently hates the same people they hate.
5: Yeah, and my uh when I called up various people's offices say they're uh they're uh Every, every time they wake up in the morning, they're crucifying Christ again. They're, they're shitting on on the, who they think uh, they're saying is their savior. You're right. Is my thought It's just obscene, and nobody, no, uh, you got they got all these <laughs> sheep that cheer and yell at them.
0: Exactly, exactly, and that's all they got to do, right? What are they going to do? Make life better for anybody? Help anybody? No. Give me a break! Oh,
5: God. Well, they're making life miserable. That's my point about the violence against women and the trans yeah. kids and gay people and books. Yeah, and the whole thing is just look.
0: It's like why, I, I, why, why shouldn't Medicare be allowed to negotiate with with drug companies for lower pharmaceutical prices for seniors? How much do you have to fucking hate your grandma and grandpa to be a Republican and be against this? And how much do you have to hate your grandma and grandpa to support Mansion and Cinema, who are against this? Why shouldn't Medicare cover dental?
5: After her bisexuality, uh,
0: why shouldn't Medicare have to have to cover dental and hearing and vision? How much do these people hate seniors, and when is the Democratic Party going to wake up with their messaging and call them out for their anti-American, un-Christian, hating old people that defines their party?
5: Exactly. The whole, yeah, right on. It, it just the whole thing. I find it. i got go to go uh, head to bed muttering. Um, yeah. This is what I end up going, how the fuck, what the hell? Yep. Oh, and another thought. I heard a terrifying thing um, on Victor Orban's um, <coughs> victory. Tell me. This is a heads up for us. The, the, are you there? Yeah. Oh, okay. Uh, the, the opposition won 60% of the vote. Orban won 91% of the districts with the gerrymandering yep. that they yeah. did. And that's yeah. what these assholes are trying to do to us. Fascists
0: don't like to run in real elections. That's what unites them all, Putin and our Republican Party. They can't stand democracy. They lie over here and say, we're going after government. They love government. It's democracy they hate.
5: Exactly. And they want to get, well, we know what they want. They want the top 1% to get more money.
0: Hmm. Well. You know,
5: a lot of these poor, poor fucks don't even know what the hell they're saying. Yeah. You know, and then they gleefully vote for these guys that then vote for a $2 trillion uh, tax break for the
0: uh, billionaires. I hear you, man. They're not patriots. And I'm waiting for the Democratic Party to start calling this bullshit out. Some of them do. Not enough of them do. And I'm so tired. God bless John Kerry. He's a good man. But I'm so tired of the punching bags. I'm tired of pinata Democrats who exactly. are standing there getting pummeled like an S and slave who forgot his safe word. I'm so yeah. sick of it.
5: Oh yeah, I wish there were a hell of a lot more like uh, that. Brian, is it Shots from Hawaii?
0: Yep, we play played him last Friday? week. Yeah, yeah. Call them out. People want to be inspired. Oh, the Democrats are just—they're—they're pl- they're attending their own funeral already for the midterms. Instead of fighting back, take the fight oh. to them. Inspire people to get up their asses and go vote.
5: Yeah, and we actually have something to fight
0: for. Not we again. have a lot to fight for.
5: Yeah, and I got to anyway. run, Brian.
0: I got five thousand people on hold, but I thank See you very much.
5: You, take
2: care. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have, or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you.
0: Welcome to it. Very, very happy to bring you to Tall, Dark, and Handsome Monday. Rhonda Handsome is a great stand-up comic. She's open for Anita Baker, Diana Ross, and Aretha Franklin. She does great solo shows. Catch her on Politipod, available on SoundCloud. Ms. Handsome, if you're nasty, welcome back. I'm black, y'all. How are you, goddess?
7: <laughs> I'm great. I'm great. I'm kind of excited because um, I want to... I want to travel to see some uh, relatives, and uh, I know there's going to be a surge here of COVID surge. And I'm trying to uh, see. I'm just excited to see if I'm going to actually see my relatives or if my COVID variant avoidance syndrome (laughs) keeps me from going (laughs) any place at all.
0: Well, my question is how 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 do you intend to travel to see these relatives by car? Well, I I thought I might
7: go by Amtrak. Okay. uh, You know, it's uh, Virginia. Not the worst idea.
0: Not the worst idea. Okay. I've done Amtrak in Virginia many times.
7: And see. But um, things are good. You know, I've been trying to, you know, see friends, you know, uh, and ride the subway without fear. (laughs)
0: Yeah, I was doing a good job of that, Rhonda. I got to tell you, I was traveling, um, and I've traveled quite a bit uh, in the last year. I've traveled like seven times. I've traveled out to the country. I went to Hawaii. I've traveled down south, Midwest. Been out to California a couple times, Florida a couple times. um, And I finally just caught it because some guy at my wife's office had it, and that's how we all got it. But Philly announced today they're going to reinstate their citywide mask mandate beginning a week from today. They're they're now going to be the first major American city To go back to requiring masks in public, Uh, Columbia University has just brought back their mask mandate, Um, and it's it's scary. So just be careful. I mean, this sounds like
7: deja vu, John. (laughs) Yeah. You know, didn't we do this last year where you know they 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 said, oh, you know, relax, everything, and then two weeks later we were we were retracting.
0: Yeah. You know, this is, it's what I call close encounters of the third variant. And and I'm living with it, but you know what? Um, I got my shots. I'm so glad I got the shots. The shots are a miracle. I know so many people who got really sick or aren't here anymore. Uh, My my wife's uh, uncle, um, who is a diehard Trump guy in Colorado, he just went home after being on a ventilator for 2 months in the hospital. So, oh my
7: goodness. Oh, yes. at least he got home. That's a that's an extraordinary percentage of people who actually survived that.
0: We were terrified that he was not going to make it and that we'd have to fly to Colorado during a during a surge for a funeral. I mean, you know, it's it's been scary all around and you know, as long as people are still not getting their damn shots and as long as Africa, the Middle East, Latin America, as long as there's these red zones in the world that still aren't getting the vaccines, we're going to see new variants. It's going to keep on going. We are not to be too happy, clappy liberal here, but this is what we talk about when we say that all humanity is interconnected. And if there's suffering over COVID because of lack of vaccines in Africa, it will affect everybody.
7: It's a a butterfly effect or a or a bat from a wet market, I don't know which one <laughs>
0: <is>. <laughs> Rhonda, you know, I, I, I've i been looking forward to talking with you because I, I want to ask you about um, John Wilkes Booth's favorite president, uh, Andrew Johnson. Um, <laughs> I mean, that's not fair. John Wilkes Booth's favorite president was Jefferson Davis, but Andrew Johnson became president because of John Wilkes Booth. And earlier today, Andrew Yang, who I've never had on the show, I'm going to have to get him on the show, Uh, You know, look, I'll praise Andrew Yang. I think UBI is a great idea, Um, but he tweeted earlier today, and I quote, Lincoln won the presidency on a brand new Republican ticket in 1860 with 39.8% in a four-way race. So far, you're right. So far, you're good. I always bring up Lincoln to talk about third parties. He was our first third-party president as a Republican, 38% of the vote. So far, I like it, but then Andrew has to go on and say, He took a Democrat, Andrew Johnson, as his running mate in 1864. And I guess Andrew's not spending enough time on the right-wing chat rooms to know that back in the 1860s, it was the Democrats who were the right-wing white supremacist party. I'm curious what your response was to this. It seems like he doesn't know that Andrew Johnson is still in the close running for being our worst president ever.
7: Well, I think uh, Yang... Andrew Yang should be aware that this is not a good look to stop Asian hate.
0: Oh, (laughs) I don't know. It might make I might make Confederates like Asian people more, but go on. Uh, uh,
7: I have been very disappointed in in him. And this really makes me feel even more so Uh, the only thing that I think that's good to come out of it is probably that people will be aware of how horrible uh, Johnson was as as a a political person
0: it's true he is the reason that when slavery ended it didn't really end he was a villain he was a horrific racist he was the main architect of American apartheid and one of the, if not the worst president we ever had, including uh, the first president to be impeached.
7: He worked tirelessly for uh, laws and codes and and undoing reconstruction. I I mean he's horrible and I I don't know what this this says about Andrew Yang except that, Maybe he needed to do a little more research before tweeting.
0: That's a polite way of putting it. Um, Andrew Johnson owned people. He was an enslaver. Uh, He was never a real abolitionist, and he was Lincoln's greatest mistake. Well, next to going to the theater that night, Andrew Johnson was was Lincoln's (laughs) greatest mistake. And honestly, most historians think that, you know, Lincoln— would have won in 1864 re-election without having that particular Democrat on the ticket. Uh, just incredibly corrupt. And you can literally trace so many of the problems we have with institutionalized racism right to Andrew Johnson becoming president after Lincoln's murder. I mean, he just re- would, not, would not hold the Confederacy accountable for anything. And that's why the Confederacy has come back to haunt us over and over and over again.
7: And, and, and it continues. I, I mean, he he did so much to entrench uh the idea and the concept and philosophy of of anti black racism
0: yeah yeah i mean and, he, uh, he, wa- uh, and, he was and
7: that andrew yang was a potent, was a candidate for presidency and would say something like this is just kind of horrific
0: Well, in fairness, Andrew Yang, who does seem to be a very nice guy, uh, is a very rich business dude who bought his way onto the presidential debate stage. Uh, He didn't have the votes to win a primary, but he shows what happens when a guy has all that money. You can either send yourself into space or send yourself into the presidential race. And either way, um, you know, look – compared to the harm Andrew Johnson did our country, Andrew Yang's tweet did very little. And if anything, I'm glad Andrew Johnson, I mean, Andrew Yang uh, gave a lot of Americans a history lesson today. And as you know, Rhonda, those who don't learn from history are doomed to watch the History Channel.
7: (laughs) I, do you think, now, do you think he needs to do an apology, John? Should he be on an apology tour?
0: I don't know if Andrew's capable of that kind of grace. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think maybe he's read his Twitter response. I mean, the best thing about it is, y'all, go on Twitter and read Andrew's tweet. And look, he, I, I have to be nice to Andrew Yang because he follows me on Twitter. But um, <laughs> go read the responses he got all day long. I, it was one of those things where, like, honestly, I was wishing my dad was still alive today because my dad would have enjoyed the history lessons that so many people gave this guy. And it actually wound up making me feel... Um, very patriotic uh, Mondaire Jones, our African-American congressman From New York uh, he, he tweeted Andrew Johnson reluctantly supported the emancipation of slaves And sought to unravel Reconstruction-era progress He was so bad that Congress Reduced the size of the Supreme Court To prevent him from nominating civil rights opponents So it's one of those ripple effects I think when someone says something stupid and corrosive It can bring out the best in a lot of other people And I, lear- I, I learned a lot about Andrew Johnson today Because of the responses
7: yeah. Uh, so did I, and I, I was a little embarrassed with myself that I didn't know how horrible he was until I saw the response. And uh, I, I think he has a lot of uh, sympathetic uh, members in our, our legislature right now, John. I, I feel Andrea. like there are there are people who uh, would champion the things that uh, Johnson did. That oh yeah. Uh, uh, and, well, they'll, and they'll feel champion.
0: Like they'll, they'll champion Andrew Yang as well because what he did was a pure act of selfishness. You know, he famously left the Democratic Party, and he's trying to start a third party. So the modern day racists love Andrew Yang because he will exist to siphon votes away from Democrats. So you know, he's really doing this work for himself when he's talking about how Lincoln one with 39.8% in a four-way race and took someone from another party as his running mate, he's more or less saying, go third parties, go third parties. And I'd be all for that, but he compares himself to this first impeached president who destroyed Reconstruction and delayed civil rights for like 95 years. He, he literally, in trying to be self-serving, compared himself to one of the greatest supervillains to ever hold the White House. It's kind of beautiful.
7: Well, now, I feel like this is actually a reason to teach critical race
0: theory. (laughs) Boom. (laughs) Yeah.
7: I I mean, he's practically demanding that we be
0: educated around our history, John. Yep. Yes. Here's what Andrew Johnson said to Congress. As the president in 1867, our Democratic Party The president said this, he talked about black people. He said they have shown less capacity for government than any other race of people. They had never produced any civilization and when left to themselves, relapsed into barbarism. That's who Andrew Yang is comparing himself to. And while we're at it, he's also the guy responsible for the Indian Removal Act and the Trail of Tears. I mean, this this is just (laughs) go for it, Andrew. Pick your heroes wisely.
7: John, I really want him to do some kind of apology tour. I mean, when when Who- Whoopi Goldberg was suspended for two weeks for not saying anything anti-Semitic at all, actually. I mean, uh, Nick Cannon had to do an apology tour. Uh, I mean, wh- I I think Andrew Yang needs to needs to uh, do a mea culpa for some for for some amount of time.
0: It'd be refreshing if he did, but I don't see him doing it. I just. I mean that's a level of grace that I don't see a lot of politicians doing. I mean, you know, Will Will Smith he had he waited a day to apologize to Chris Rock. People are not good at apologizing unless they're really really caught doing something bad, and even then, even then. I mean Donald Trump famously said he's never asked for forgiveness because he's never had a reason to. So it's like I'm a big fan of men because this is a male problem. Men taking responsibility for their sins and shortcomings and shitty behaviors i just don't see a lot of guys taking responsibility too much and generally i find a lot of men only say they're sorry when they're forced to
7: what why is that is, that, is it does does that make them feel less masculine apologizing
0: uh, unmanly insecure men yes i'm catholic so i apologize all the time <laughs> i apologize for shit i didn't even do i apologize for not apologizing enough that was beaten into me as a young kid but yeah, I I mean it's so hard for men, especially men with a little bit of power, to ever have the grace and the strength and the dignity and the manhood to say I was wrong about something and I'll try to do better. And yet I find that when you actually can do that in a dignified way, people respect you more. I've never people seen People respect
7: it? Yes. I've yeah. never
0: seen anyone look down on someone because they apologized. I've never seen it.
7: Well, um I think there's like some studies that show that women actually apologize too much. (laughs) yeah, Women are like
0: Catholics. They're socialized to apologize all the time, even when they didn't do anything wrong. Absolutely true. Yeah. This Uh, makes me think, by the way, Oh, go ahead, please.
7: No, I just, I just really, I did. I didn't think this was a good look for him. And um, I'm I'm very sorry that, you know, we had to get a a history lesson. Uh, from something that just took such a wrong
0: turn. Yeah, but you know what? I, I got to be honest. I'm, I'm a fan of this sort of thing. I mean, I don't know if Andrew's going to apologize. I don't know if he feels bad at all. He's got a hundred billion dollars. He he can afford to never feel bad for anything. You know, he can just turn off Twitter for a day. But I I love how people. Black and white came forward and just gave history lesson after history lesson after history lesson all day, and that's what made me patriotic. Not that we had this awful, regressive racist as our president when our greatest president was murdered, but the fact that so many people could actually call out why he was fucked up, why he was a bad president, why uh, Andrew john I mean, right away, every so many people knew, and it's just, I'm a history geek. My dad was a history teacher, so on that level, it makes me happy. But this debate today on Twitter, it's a little thing, but oh, it brightened my day. Just seeing how one of those rare days
7: when uh,
0: Twitter. And by the way, it was all Democrats is educational, all Democrats calling out this racist Democrat. That's what made me proud today, too.
7: Well, then. But that's another thing. Democrats are so quick to to down their own, to call out their own.
0: (laughs) Yes, but also Democrats are quick to point out that. Back in the 1860s, the Republicans were the liberal party. That's why, yeah. that, That's what Lincoln was. They were the liberal party. They were the ones who ended slavery. The Democrats were the conservative party prote- defending the status quo back then. So, you know, yeah, Democrats should call out those Democrats, and Democrats should always call out—I mean, you know, I, we do it all the time on this show. I'll praise FDR for his great deeds, and I will call out FDR for the awful things that he did and for the regressive things that he did. This is how you move forward. we got to be— we got to acknowledge the great things done by those who came before us, and we've got to also point out their shortcomings so we can try to be better.
7: Well, maybe instead of asking him to go on an apology tour, I'll send him a muffin basket for uh, giving us a little uh, history lesson today.
2: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
1: The country, and I looked up in the sky, and there was a bolt of lightning, and a strange alien ship landed in the middle of the field, and the latches opened up, and greenish-gray creatures emerged from the ship. They surrounded me, staring at me with their unblinking red orbs, and finally one of them spoke and said, "Ben Gazar is a good actor. Why can't he get a series?" <laughs> this for a while and I said I don't know I can't help you they're very small I don't know I can't stay together in a group is that the only reason you came down here yeah is not enough but they said they yell a lot they're very annoying Jackie Gleason in Casablanca you're getting on that plane with Big Lazlo oh you're getting on that plane all right and I know that you know that I know that you're getting on that plane! <laughs> Elmer Fudd in Apocalypse Now. <laughs> oh, the horror. <laughs> the horror. <laughs> Now, James Mason as Ralph Cramden. <laughs> Alice, Norton and I are going bowling. <laughs> Richard Burton as Norton. I can't go bowling with you, Ralph. <laughs> Shixie's mother is coming over. <laughs> Jack Nicholson <laughs> as Alice. You can't go bowling (laughs) Ralph. Oh, how I wish these bits had endings.
0: (laughs) And that was the end of the set. That's Gilbert Gottfried on Late Night with David Letterman in the 80s. That is an actual set that I watched when I snuck downstairs as my parents slept to sit very close to the TV and listen. We're back with TV's Frank. Frank, thank you for uh, sitting through that segment with me. Um, I want to welcome back to the show, uh, one of our favorite people. Um, a couple years ago, Gilbert was on with David Feldman and, uh, David's a great Emmy award-winning comedian and writer. Um, and if you like triumph, you've laughed at David's jokes. And we did a bit, an extended riff on Arnold Schwarzenegger's last name, uh, trying to find tasteful euphemisms. Schwartz, African-American. Schwartz, some of my best friends. And I had so many people write me this week Saying it was one of the funniest hours of radio they ever heard It's a pleasure to welcome David Feldman Back to SiriusXM Hello, Feldo
3: Hello there Hello, TV's Frank Hey, David I, uh It's Very the, sad
0: You made Gilbert laugh really hard And that was an amazing thing to be in the room for
3: Oh, no, no, no. I'm talking about taxes My taxes are due Oh, yeah, that's <laughs> awful, I know Yeah <laughs> So April 15th, very sad time of the year. It's a loss
0: for all of us. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. (laughs) And Gilbert. Of course, Gilbert. Of course, Gilbert.
0: I I, I kind uh... of... Go ahead, please.
3: No, it's just been a rough couple of months. You know, uh, Norm, Bob Saget, now Gilbert. Mm -hmm. And Louie. Louis, Louis too. Louie, three more. And my phone's going to start ringing just through attrition. <laughs> They're going to have no choice but to start booking me again. I agree. I hear Gallag- I hear Gallagher, too, isn't looking well. So there's hope for TV's
0: Frank and me. I think we can hit, we can hit the road pretty soon. Thoughts and prayers. Thoughts and prayers. See... Yeah. He- David, I, I, I was kind of feeling like I, I've had COVID for the last 10 days, and I finally had a negative test, um, but I was thinking the best tribute to Gilbert would be to go to the funeral, even if I still had it, and endanger the lives of everyone there, because I think Gilbert yeah. would appreciate that. It's. I think that would be, yeah.
3: Are, are you going to the funeral?
0: Yeah, I'm going,
3: yeah. Okay,
8: yeah,
0: so, I, uh, it, so it's officially a super spreader event now. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah, I think <laughs> Gilbert would want it that way. I'll be wearing six masks and a condom over my face, um, but it's part of the bet. It'll, it'll work. You'll. I, 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 yeah. I was just thinking, Frank and I were at Gilbert's sister's funeral uh, when when Paul Schaefer said the Kaddish, and that was like the right. hippest showbiz event I've ever been to. I met like three agents that day. I got so many business cards. Right. Yeah, b- yeah,
3: bring your business cards. Oh, yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. I don't know. It's just... I'm going to miss Gilbert. Mass shootings in the subways just aren't going to be the same anymore without Gilbert Gottfried. They're just going to feel like a a mass shooting in the subway. It's just not going to feel like earthquakes, tornadoes, terrorist attacks. I think all the fun has gone out of them.
8: You know, know. that guy would have uh, shot more in the subway, but that was all the shootings he had on his Metro card. (laughs)
0: i had i was talking to a producer from nbc news last night who called me about this and and i said you have to understand that if gilbert was here right now he would be getting you fired by making jokes on your show about the subway (laughs) shooting because that was gilbert's job he was always Mm -hmm. there to remind us that laughter is an option no matter how awful it is you hear stories about you know people who used humor in concentration camps um, before Roberto Benigni made it unfunny. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and that was Gilbert's role. I think what he did, David, was what my mom, the nun, would call a ministry. He, like, having the most inappropriate joke at the most tragic time was part of what made him an angel.
3: Yeah, yeah. And right now, he's up in heaven with Saget and uh,
8: Norm making Ryan White cry. <laughs> you know what there are all these um, uh, comedians still not, not old comedians yet like Gilbert and Bob Saget and Norm MacDonald and Louis Anderson all going but you can't fucking kill Henry Kissinger what's going right? on with that <laughs> Mitch McConnell's old. 80
0: a, I know he's a
8: 100 years old or something yep it's so true prayer doesn't work yeah it seems <laughs> Lord, like the, you know I've been the, the, the people you don't want to die are the ones that die which is which is yeah nuts. yeah, yeah. He,
0: but i mean in worked. fairness if henry if henry kissinger died wouldn't you want to do something really horrible just so you could go to hell and watch satan abuse kissinger I mean, wouldn't you want a front row? I I would do whatever I could do to get into hell just to watch the eternal torment of of Kissinger. So I I kind of feel of two minds. I'm
8: just trying to be in the spirit of uh, Gilbert by doing a really edgy joke about Kissinger that will offend all of the Henry Kissinger fans that (laughs) listen to your show. Yeah. Yeah. We're going
0: to miss him. We're going to miss him. Miss him. Do you have any more Uh, material on on Gilbert's death?
3: No, I'm just – I I heard doctors knew he was dead when his eyes opened.
0: (laughs) (laughs) He would be proud. uh,
3: I heard – I I spoke to the family. They're going to tell me what his last words were just as soon as he finishes saying them.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I just I just uh, I mean, would you say that? I mean, I've said and Frank and Judy agree that Gilbert deserves to be mentioned alongside the Marx Brothers. Would you say that he's one of the funniest people you've ever seen? I mean, uh, you know, having said that, I think I think, you know, Triumph is one of the funniest people I've ever seen. And that's a dog with an old man's hand up its ass. Um, But but, you know, would you would you rank Gilbert among the most purely funny people?
3: Yeah. I mean, Jimmy Savile and um, <laughs> I, I think no. J- Jimmy was pretty funny, but Gilbert, yeah, Gilbert was up there. And by up there, I mean my, you know what, but no, yeah, of course, there was nobody yeah. funnier than Gilbert. But what was funny was, well, Jimmy God, Seville
0: was funny, but it was part of the grooming. And that's what I appreciated as a <laughs> youngster. Oh, that's the guy with the Netflix special. Yes, right? that's
3: the guy. <laughs> yes,
8: See, the guy. How come I can't get a Netflix special? Oh, never ah, mind. there you go. <laughs>
0: David just had a reference that was too. You got a Netflix (laughs) thing. Can I say that? Yes, you can I think you just did. So it's it's fine. It's fine. Right now, Gilbert is telling God pedophile jokes in heaven, and they're all cracking up. Where's baby
3: Jesus? Where's? He's up there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, What a beautiful family he
0: had. Beautiful family. Yeah.
3: And say th- I got to meet them. <laughs> I'm, this is serious, no joking. Uh, I was at your apartment, your beautiful apartment with your beautiful family. And you were having a party and I see the most beautiful family sitting next to Gilbert and it's his wife and two beautiful children. Yeah. And the son said in front of Gilbert, my teacher says I'm a nasty boy. And Gilbert just goes, (laughs) just, just delighted. Like, not, not like, why did the teacher say that? Or just, just, there was so much, he enjoyed his, his children so much. And, uh, he was so loved at home. It was so, I, he was so unconditionally loved. Yes. By his family and, uh, which isn't that it wasn't that hard to love Gilbert, but uh, he ended up. You saw the documentary about
0: him, right? Oh, the documentary is beautiful, yeah. and and it's especially yeah. beautiful if you believe you're Gilbert's child. Yeah, yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, he is uh, he is a miracle. Uh, I think, and that he ended up with. Uh, th- this amazing family. I mean, that to me was, yeah. was so breathtaking. His
0: wife is stunning.
8: A- yeah, that a- was like the, you know, the real success in his life was that family for
0: sure. Yeah. I, David, we have...
3: The al- and sick at night. The, I, I, you know, I would put... Thick <laughs> of the night, yes, of course.
0: <laughs> thick of the night. On thick the catwalk. The <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David, we have to run. I hope that this can be a beginning of getting you back yeah. on the show more often here at What the Fuck O'Clock. Everyone needs to subscribe to your podcast because you are fearless. And you, I miss you. I miss you so I miss much. You. I wanted to have you and Frank and Judy on the show to talk about Gilbert because the three of you are like him in that you you blend the craftsmanship with the wildly funny madcap lunacy Um, with the fearlessness and it's really an honor to have you drag our show down to your level tonight thank you
3: okay i love you guys thank you thank you very much man
0: i had all these gilbert clips frank but like hearing my favorite comedians talk about him i mean david was just so offensive on so many levels i think uh gilbert would approve
8: he would he absolutely would approve
0: um, I want to welcome another friend of ours who uh, who is joining us. A couple years back, um, I remember, I think it was the first time I met Gilbert's wife, Dara, was when um, our next guest, uh, who's one of our, our good friends and a great comic, um, through a lot of his hard work was able to get uh, the street George Carlin grew up on rechristened as George Carlin Way. And Gilbert was there. That I mean, everybody was there that day. I mean, Attell was there. Robert Klein was there. Overton flew in just for it. And to this day, I'll always thank uh, the lovely Kevin Bartini. Kevin, welcome.
4: Hello. How's it going?
0: Very good. How are you?
4: Oh, I'm doing all right. I'm doing all right. Sad, but uh, nice to, nice to just talk to you again. It's been a long time.
0: It's been a very long time. My lawyers told me that I should really keep you at arm's length, but you asked to come on, and I, I felt that I should um, because you have photos advice. of me. Well, there was an after-party after George Carlin Way, and I'm kind of forced yes. to do whatever you say because you had a camera. Um, but <laughs> but I'll never forget that day, and uh, I wondered what your memories of Gilbert are.
4: Well, I mean, yeah, I, I knew Gilbert for, I figure, at least the last probably 12 years or so and i just first of all lucky that i got to you know out at bananas in hasbrook heights i you know was just lucky enough to to have gotten to feature form for a weekend and uh and and all of that and so over the and then after over the george carlin way thing and and i've done some uh open for him on the road a number of times and we've done did the we did the thing together at Gotham for his kids' school, the fundraiser. That's right. And, I was uh, telling a
0: story about you know, that about that show. Yeah,
4: yeah, and it's like the thing with Gilbert is probably you know over all the, the all the shows and all the things that we've done together. You know, every time I would see him, I would always just get the exa- just the same distinct feeling that he had absolutely no idea who the fuck I am. That's beautiful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like he could not pick me out of the lineup. <laughs> and uh, he, he was just, you know, you, you'd see him backstage, and he would, he would shake your hand, and you'd go to shake his hand, and he just kind of looked like FDR sitting there, you know? He just would put his hand up and meekly grab it, and, and then you walk away, and you get your picture, and you're like, holy shit, I just got to hang out with, like, you know, one of the, one of the, world's, one of the world's great comics and, and great personalities uh, of my childhood. And yeah. all that uh, so every time was always a thrill and an honor and
0: you know what Frank um, I gotta I gotta say to echo what Kevin just said it's true every you talk to all the comedians and they will all tell you that in spite of his onstage persona, Gilbert was one of the kindest people in the world except to Kevin bartini yes. to whom he was cruel <laughs> as as a virtue like we admired how cruel he was yep. to Kevin yeah yes. yeah yeah he
4: just downright cruel <laughs> just uh no just a wonderful you know, wonderful guy and wonderful talent. And <laughs> really, really sad. And and you know, I I, would uh, heard just before I came on the end of Feldman, and uh, I remember being at that same cocktail party at your apartment with. Uh, I think with it was. Cameron.
0: I think it was for uh, we had a party for uh, for for Kelly Carlin for for George's you know wonderful daughter who was uh, a that a real may have class been act. the occasion. And Rain Pryor okay. was there, uh, who we love. And all, all, all go, yeah. I remember, like Trayvon Free was there, and Judah, and, and I remember Eddie Brill like twirling, mm-hmm. uh, twirling Gilbert's son Max around in the air at one point. It was yeah, just a,
4: and I remember Gilbert's kids actually. Well, Gilbert was the only person there out of maybe fifty people who you know brought their kids, and yes. and their his kids were there, and they were cool as shit. And then like at one point they announced the two kids announced that the party needed to stop so that everybody in showbiz kids form could watch them do a performance. Do you remember yes, that? All I do sudden, remember
0: that. We,
4: yeah. all, we all, they had, they had 50, uh, 50, you know, current day showbiz luminaries in the room, just watching them do their thing, which is, I remember.
8: Cool. Yeah.
4: Yeah. That was a great I time. S- but I the memory I have most Please. of, of, uh, <clears throat> of, of Gilbert is, is the night at Caroline's after we had, hung up that street sign we had done a show at caroline's that night to celebrate and it was just this big star-studded lineup of great great comics and and gilbert was amongst amongst the you know amongst the lineup and he he went on about probably an hour and a half into the show probably about seventh or eighth in the lineup and and up until that point it was one of those things where every comic although they were doing funny material and doing their stuff, they would, they would either open their act, close their act, or take a moment at some point to stop and say how much George Carlin meant to them, but, you know, give him a bit of a, a tribute, which was entirely appropriate. And the audience, of course, you know, it would get great applause. But the more and more that this happened, the, the enthusiasm and the applause just naturally kind of died down you know, until it kind of just got to be you know, almost like the, you know, the seventh comic in of the row it, it, you know, asking the people to give it up for the troops. It's like, yeah, we've done this, you know? So there was less enthusiasm. So Gilbert goes on and not really necessarily aware of of that. He goes on and he opens up again in not Gilbert fashion so much, but in, in a, as a sincere fan, and, and and he spoke from the heart for a moment of, you know, George Carlin. And the audience, as I said, had petered out on the applause at that point, and they didn't really give him any any feedback as he would have expected. And on a dime, he he ditched every plan that he had had for a set that night. And he took that one cue from the audience as if they were saying to him that they didn't actually like George Carlin, so they wouldn't you know they wouldn't <laughs> applaud uh, applaud the man's name. And so right away, he was like, his next words were, "Yeah, you're right. Fuck George Carlin." And he went into. <laughs> a 10-minute riff where he is saying things along the lines of, uh, you know, I'm glad George Carlin is dead. The the happiest days in my life uh, were the days my children uh, were born and the day I heard George Carlin die. And (laughs) I was, and fuck him, and I was at, I talked to the doctor who was there at the hospital, and I have it on good authority that he suffered in the end, and I love that, and he just kept lasting enough and it's it's another thing of of watching gilbert live is he can shut that audience off in a in in a second and and i mean in that room half to three quarters of the audience assholes tightened up right away for the first little bit and then those who got what he was doing went for the ride and were laughing their asses off and those who didn't just got to be offended and 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 for 10 minutes
8: i'm sure kelly was was on board with it Complete. I'm sure she was. Well,
4: I'll tell you, in hindsight, Kelly's on board with it. But for part of that, I was sitting at a table with her and with Dennis, and it was a little tight up front. Um, so funny. So, but, yeah, that was uncomfortable. But <laughs> but that set and that, that thing that he did that night, we ended up um, at the end of the year, that show made Time Out New York's top ten list of, of uh, comedy shows for the year. We came in at number two. Wow. And they specifically mentioned Gilbert's set as the highlight of the night. Uh-huh. And, and it wasn't the things we, we didn't film the show professionally or anything, um, but somebody in that audience filmed it on their phone surreptitiously and ended up posting my set oh, and good. Gilbert's and a couple of others.
0: We well, got to hit a break, Kevin. Didn't I'm so take sorry. Them
4: down. Oh, sure. Okay. okay.
0: So, listen, please come back and join us. Let's talk politics very soon. It's a pleasure to hear you, and thank you for contributing to our special honorarium honor, of Gilbert. We'll be right back, Frank. Stay with us right after this.